All right, we have here Katie Campbell, founder of Calibri Magic, an executive leadership coach. Looking forward to this one. Thank you so much for coming on, Katie. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to dive into the conversation with you too. Of course. Also appreciate you listening to our podcast, like you were just saying. I'm a fan. I love it. Listen to it in the car with my girls because they learn a ton as we're driving to school about business and life and little lessons. And even as fourth and eighth graders, there's a lot that they're integrating. So I appreciate what you're putting out there. My apologies for the F-bombs then. <laughs> uh, they know, they've learned them all from their dad and me, so it's, a, it's totally fine. <laughs> Understood. Well, let's get right into it. T- tell me a little bit more about yourself, your background. I know you're calling in from San Antonio. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and your story. Sure, absolutely. So yeah, I've been in the leadership development space and an executive coach for over 20 years now. I've been fascinated with the practice of leadership and what great cultures look like, and really how individual leaders can inspire really transformational movements. So I've worked in the military, the private sector, the public sector, nonprofit, you name it, small organizations, Fortune 500 companies, really with the point of view of figuring out what exceptional leadership looks like, how those leaders develop really great cultures. And then in my personal practice, in my business, that's what I focus on with the leaders that I work with. They're all trying to change something, transform something, build something. And so my job is to really help them understand, not just from the tools and techniques of how to do that. You could read a business book and figure that out. But it's really about how do you integrate that from an emotional and a personal perspective every single day. So talk, let's talk about just that overall, you know, the leadership piece. Where do you see organizations uh, missing, the, missing the boat? And where do you see thriving organizations just hit it on the head? Yeah. So the, the, they're not missing the boat on how to grow, how to scale, how to get investment, how to acquire, how to do M&A. Like, that's pretty easy. Again, you just go to business school and you can figure that out. It's not too sure. hard. Read a book, figure it out. Where they're missing the boat is the personal aspect of leading great organizations. So it's everything from how they understand their own emotional state, how they manage themselves, how they tap into and inspire other people. It is the human element of business that I feel like there is the biggest disconnect in the world. And it's really why I was inspired to go into business for myself because, yeah, I I could create a software or a platform or something like that. But really what is helping to move the needle is getting these leaders to be better humans fully into their humanity and leading from that perspective, as opposed to be thinking about the stakeholder, the bottom line and the numbers, KPIs, all of it's important, but the human element is really how they're getting their work done or should be. And a lot of leaders kind of ignore that or just hope that it happens and hope is not a strategy. So it's really about going in there and giving them a strategy of how do you lead yourself and lead the human beings in the organization to produce really great things. Hope is not a strategy. I'm writing that one down. I appreciate that. Use it. Steal that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll quote you. I promise. Maybe once or twice. I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I did have a question to that tone. Like, what does leadership look like in the digital world now? Right. So COVID happened. Everybody hopped on Zoom. That's been kind of a kind of widely used tool now. There's a lot of remote workers. There's a lot of organizations that that operate, grow and scale, not in the same office, not in the same building, not in the same state half the time. What does leadership look like in that evolving landscape? So I know that you probably want me to say that, oh, it's here's the new and different thing. And the truth is nothing has changed. So when we were all in the office together and you could walk down the hall and see somebody, yeah, it was easier to see physically the human being and see how, you know, what they were wearing and all that kind of stuff. But 
you still had to make the effort to go and do that. You still actually had to make the effort in those conversations to get to know them, to understand what drives them, to understand if they're happy or if they're taking care of themselves, all those kinds of things. That was always true. And back before COVID, leaders were pretty terrible at doing that, just generally across the board. There's some that I've worked with that are exceptional, but they are the exception, not the rule. And so the moving everything into the digital space where people are behind screens and they are working from wherever they're working, they still are people who are human beings with hopes, dreams, goals, aspirations, wants, and needs. None of that has changed. They're just doing their work from a different physical location, but the humanity in them is exactly the same as it was before. And so this is, this is why I think that the work that I'm doing and the work that a lot of my colleagues do too, is so important because universally, this has been a blind spot for a lot of organizations. So all it means is they have to maybe think about it differently. They have to decide that I'm going to ask you different questions. I'm going to do my one-on-ones with you differently. I'm going to review your performance and give you feedback differently. But really, I don't think a lot of leaders were doing that really well before COVID. And then having Zoom and having remote work gave them another excuse to say, oh, well, it's so hard. You know, Everybody is everywhere. And I'm like, come on, man. You were not walking into every single employee's office and inspiring them and motivating them every single day before COVID. Let's just be honest with ourselves. So what this just really means is that people, leaders have to find a way to be that intentional about leadership, not just the technical part of the work. When an organization hires you, what is the main problem that they're facing? And what does your process look like when you're going into a company and they hire you? What's that look like? You know, the truth is there's not one universal reason why people bring me in. So it's not like they're in a crisis or they're about ready to sell or, you know, I'm working with a company right now that is, they're getting ready to sell in two years. So they're in hyper growth mode. They're trying to make sure all their internal operations and processes are squared away and that the leaders that they intend to stay with the organization pro-sale are really ready to lead that company well into the future, right? To continue that growth and success. Other companies, they have been around for 100 plus years and they're really cruising and they want to keep cruising. Like they're in a really good spot. So how do we help them just modernize their business? And sometimes that's why I'm being brought in. So I could give you 20 other examples. So it depends. It's really though when... The companies that I think I work best with and work best with me are the ones that are really wanting something different for themselves. So they want to really dominate the market. They want to, if they're going to sell, they want to sell for the highest possible valuation. Um, for the ones that are on, that are cruising, they want to make sure that their employees are happy and healthy and thriving. So it's really about ones that are seeing themselves differently in the market and they want some outside thinking on how do we do that via our leaders and via our people. That's such a good point that just sparked a light bulb because a lot of people think that when a firm's coming to buy you, they're determining the valuation of your company simply based on numbers. And a lot of it does have to do with what your P&L looks like, what your balance sheet looks like, all 100%. these different things. But the transition of the leadership and how effective that's going to be also massively increases the ROI that you're going to get on that sale. So tell us a little bit more about the actual tactics of like, what's the actual groundwork that you're doing when it comes down to you coming into these businesses and changing the culture from a managerial standpoint or whatever that looks like. So it's, it's interesting. It's like two prong approach because my traditional background is in management consulting and leadership development. So I see things from a systems and an organization 
perspective. So sometimes it's really coming in and saying, your performance management system sucks. It's terrible. It's rubbish. So let's go in and figure out how to better operationalize it. Or the way that people are, I have a company right now that they're struggling. They have a strategic plan. Half the leaders know how to drive that plan down in their part of the business. And the other half are like, clueless. So how do we make sure that it's across the board? Everybody knows how to align and point towards the strategy. And so that's part of it. That's the operational piece. The the personal piece comes from in every organization, there are pivotal leaders that are either the ones that can completely hinder or unravel the company's performance, or they're the ones that are the pivotal ones that can can really help to, to rocket it to the moon. And so for me, it's going in and identifying some of those leaders. It's working directly with them to either do some of the cleanup work so they can just be more effective or for the people who are already on rocket fuel, like how do we make sure that they stay motivated and engaged um, to just even continue to lead at the, at the level they're at, if not the higher level. So there's a, it's always a dual pronged approach because I could really help leaders be super effective, but if the operational processes in their organization are terrible, they're kind of trying to be an exceptional leader in a really terrible system. So how do we make sure that both of those things are working together so that, you know, whatever effort they're putting forward in the way that they lead or the way that they're driving their part of the business can really actually come to fruition because the organization is set up around them to be successful too. As Jocko Willing says, there are no bad teams, only bad leaders. And so, so I love I mean, I've got at least a couple of his books that are behind me on, on the shelf. I'm a huge believer in what he talks about and really, you know, the whole premise of your podcast too, about consistency, about how you drive the work, about how you motivate and drive yourself. That's a lot of what comes out of the coaching work that I do with individual leaders. Are there any scenarios where there's friction? Because I have to imagine that when you're talking to leaders, there's ego involved as well. And like, hey, like you are the problem here, but you don't want to face it. How does that impact also the front end of your sales cycle when you're trying to address a certain pain point of like, hey, you're the reason why your business is not moving forward, but now you have to pay me to help change that. Like, what what does that look like in that dynamic? I'm so glad you asked that question. That is a big reason why I went out on my own to do this work too, because back in the day, I would be handed a client. You know, somebody would go and win the work and they'd say, okay, you're going to work with so-and-so and and you're going to coach them or you're going to work in their, their organization. And there were always leaders that I worked with that are good human beings. They're really smart. They're technically astute. And they really didn't want to change. They really didn't want to have somebody who could come in there and say, Hey, your stuff stinks, man. You need to, you need to shore it up. And here's how we're going to do it. So the, the, the organizations and the leaders that work best with me, I tell them up front that this is what we're going to do. So I'm going to be loving and kind and tell you that your baby's ugly. And then together, we're going to figure out how to dress it up so this looks a lot better. It's more important to me that people are, it's sort of like the emperor has no clothes. I'm going to tell you you're naked. I'm going to tell you that you've got holes in your game, but you're hiring me because you're okay with, and you're giving me permission to do that. And that is not something that everyone's willing to do. Sometimes they just want to be like, oh, Landon, no, man, you're great. You're so good. Just keep going at it. I'm going to encourage you if that's what you need. But if what you really need is for me to tell you that like, hey, you're doing things that are driving people crazy. You're not being transparent. You're not being direct. You're not giving good feedback. Wouldn't you want to know that if that was going to help your business thrive? 
I would think so, but not everybody's ready for that. So Antonio, it's a great question. And I do think there are people who are like, "Mm -hmm, she's not our cup of tea because they're not ready to do that work. Hopefully one day they will. But to me, like that's the kind of work that lights me up. And it's not, it's not just, it's not like making people feel badly. It's about like, I'm going to get in the foxhole with you and we're going to figure out how to get you out of it. We're going to figure out what the next strategy is. We're going to figure out how to build up this, this kind of rough area that you have so that you're really more effective in what it is that you want to do. And so I'm really direct with potential clients up front. A lot of them will come hear me speak or they'll come to a leadership retreat that I'm holding and they'll get to know me that way. And then they'll go, yeah, she's our cup of tea or like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not ready to do that level of work. So you alluded to this earlier, you started kind of, it sounds like in like the corporate space in the corporate consulting type of relationship, right? Like that corporate coaching type of model, you yes. took a leap, you took a leap in, into business for yourself. When was that? What was that like for you? You know, just talk us through kind of that journey sure. to being in business ownership and everything. Yeah. You know, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, but it took a number of different factors to to get in there. One is like five years ago, I went through a pretty traumatic divorce and that rocked me on my heels a little bit and made me think about I'd been living you know, for somebody else and their goals and dreams and aspirations and it wasn't really reciprocated. So what is it that I really wanted to do? And I spent the next three to four years thinking about that a lot. And what really pushed me into saying this is the right time to do it was I was working with a really great organization. We had a handful of clients that were like in it, right? So I was, I was jazzed by that. And I had two different clients. One was a really large Fortune 500 company who I think they were well-intentioned. They paid us really good money. We did work with them for years. And the leader, the CEO was not really willing to make the hard decisions to help propel the company forward. So here we are in there doing great work. We're trying to push the rock up the hill. And they're like, eh, but we really don't want to change that much. So that is, that's really demotivating. And the second piece of it was another client that I was asked to work with, personal injury lawyer, that I think, again, well-intentioned why he hired our company to come in and work with them and he was racist. He was a bigot. He was really demeaning in the way that he talked about his employees behind his back, behind their backs. And I, I couldn't, I'm like, I I can't work with somebody like this. I want somebody who's authentic. If you're, you know, you have a hole in your game, that's fine. Everybody knows it, but like being intentionally cruel and manipulative and stuff. I'm like, I, I, that's not, that's not who I am. And it really goes against my personal values. So it was that plus this momentum that I think I'd been building over years to say, there's a different way to do this. There is a way to work with leaders that get them really, you know, again, drinking the rocket fuel and, and, and kind of going forward. And so, yeah, about a year ago, it was in the summertime and I was started to put the pieces together. And I said, I'm only going to work with clients who really want it, who are in it hundred percent. And so I've offboarded clients in the last year too, that were like, Hey, this might be a good idea but they don't want to do the work. So it's really only people who are like, I am in it a hundred percent. It's the people who sign up for an Ironman competition and they find, they, they go through, even if they don't even qualify at the very end, right? They go over 14 hours. It's the people who say, I'm going to do the training and put the work in and I'm going to try. Those are the, those are the types of clients that I have now. And it's, it is energizing every single day because you've got people who are just coming in like, okay, okay, let's go. It almost feels like a personal training session every single time, which is, it's, it's exciting. It's energizing. I love it. One of the easiest ways to build a bad business is taking on the wrong clients. So I love the way that you talked about 
how you're a lot more picky with your clients because they there is work. It's not a just fully done for you service like this is about a done with you type of model. So talk to us about your organization as a whole. What does that organization look like? How are you able to scale the business through having other people come in and coach these leaders as well? And then how are you able to be effective as a leader to make sure that they know what they're doing and they're trained properly to actually go implement this system within an organization? Yeah. So, you know, I've worked with people over the years that are really great at what they do from a technical perspective, but their heart, their values don't quite align. So I know a lot of exceptional executive coaches. I worked with them alongside of them and built programs with them. And I only work with people who believe in what I believe too. So they believe that leaders can change. They believe that it's worth putting in the hours and the time. And for a lot of my clients, there's blood, there's sweat, and there's absolutely tears. I mean, 100%. Men, women, does not matter, right? That they're really wanting to get over something or they want to transform themselves. That comes with a lot of strife, of angst and effort. And so I work with people who have a story. I work with people who didn't say, oh, I got this MBA and then I did this and did this. I don't care. You're the vice president of who, whatever company, don't care, not interested. I'm interested in people who understand the human experience, who can appreciate and relate to people who have a story, who want to get deep with the work that they're doing. And I don't care if you're building a construction company, if you've got a financial services company, I work with all sorts of interesting industries. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It's like, can we really help these leaders like really accelerate what it is they're trying to do? And so the coaches that I work with, the people that I bring on my team, anybody who touches everything from my website to my materials, um, people who support me as I'm doing retreats, all of them have to be all in on this idea of leadership and in empowerment of these leaders, but also honoring who they are as human beings. And so, yeah, and that makes it so that, again, being picky with clients, really being picky with the people that I partner with. I will not just partner with anybody. And I don't think everybody should partner with me because I'm not, again, everyone's cup of tea. But I do think it's important to align yourself with people who have those core underlying values and beliefs. And that, to me, is where we start with the interview process and where we start with building the team that I have here. That's great. Well, so one question I had was going from that corporate setting to business ownership. One problem that usually that corporate setting solves is lead flow is, you know, leads, I would imagine, and and bringing people kind of to your doorstep. How has like client acquisition been for you over the last year and change? And like, you know, what kind of clients are you actually working with specifically? Like what kind of clients are you bringing on typically? And and what does that client acquisition process look like? Yeah, it's a great question. So it comes from two areas. One is when I just get out and get speaking in front of people. So I go in to speak at conferences and association meetings. And then also I host leadership retreats with a business partner of mine. So that way people get to understand the, the kind of the content, the process, and really what it's like going through a developmental process. Like everybody says, oh yeah, having a coach would be great <laughs> until they get one and go, oh wow, that's a lot more work than I thought it would be. So that's one. And the second is referrals. It's so it's people who go, I know somebody who wants this. I know somebody who needs this. And so it's really not about finding people to do lead gen and everything like that. I get offers out the wazoo of like, we can bring you, you know, 200 new leads. I'm like, I, that's not important because out of those 200, there might be one that says, I want to work my ass off to get 
really good at what I'm doing. I want to pull myself through knot holes to figure out how to level up as a leader. People cognitively want that, but the heart needs to be there too. And so it's really somebody else who has worked with me and said, you don't want to have anybody else come in and do a corporate retreat than Katie. That's to me is the best kind of referral. And so I get referrals from people I worked with 10 years ago because they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she knows her stuff, but also you need to be ready for her. But the only people they send my way are people that they know are in that same spot. So it's, you know, the, the reason why I continue to build the team around me is to be able to bring in those, those right next clients. Because, you know, to your point, both of you, it's, you know, scaling this is difficult when it is a, when it's really all facilitated through me. The other thing that I'm trying to do, I think the third piece of it is I'm in the middle of writing a book to teach people more about emotional intelligence and really how to bring more of that human aspect to work, because I really do think that that's a differentiator for companies who are really killing it. Sure. What is the vision over the next five, 10 years? If everything happened and everything worked in a perfect world, what does that look like? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of expanding what's already here. So part of it is, it's really getting the book out and, and speaking on bigger stages, but it's really about scaling the ideas and the concepts. Like I don't need to be everybody's coach. I don't need to come in and do every corporate retreat. I'd love that, but there's only one of me. So what I want to be able to do is empower other coaches to adopt some of these ways of thinking about how they work with people, how to really help leaders understand their emotions and using emotional intelligence in a new and different way. So that's one. The second is I'm actively working on building a retreat center here in the part of San Antonio, Texas, where I live, because I believe that there's some really goodness in building a model organization of like, can we build a model organization where people want to come to work, where they're empowered from the person who is like the most junior person up to the most senior and really create a space where I can bring in, it's a corporate retreat center, but really to bring in organizations who want to come in and do you know, a strategy session, they want to do a really high end meeting, but they also want to learn how do we connect with each other better and how to get into fellowship with each other. So it's that. And it's really it's about continuing to find new and different industries to positively influence through, you know, this message of humanity of emotional intelligence of really bringing, you know, your full authentic self to work. I think the more that we see companies adopt that and do that, it's when we see really transformational change in a positive way. So it's really about scaling some of those ideas and finding new ways to do that. And so it, whether it's writing, it's speaking, it's you know probably doing more TikTok videos and YouTube videos and that sort of thing. But it's really about scaling the message and the concept. It's less about what Katie is going to do directly with people, if that makes sense. No, I love how mission focused you are. That, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. So with that being said, as we near the end of the podcast, we always love to ask this specific question to our our guests that we have on. We are the Consistency Wins Podcast, so the name consistency always pops up. And in leadership, consistency is everything as well. What does consistency look like to you? What does that mean to you? And how does that show up in your life and your client's life? Yeah. So I, I there's a mantra that has been really rolling around for me for the last three, three or four months, which is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so when I talk about ways that, for example, when I, I teach groups of leaders about emotional intelligence, there's lots of different ways that you can build that. And a lot of it is through consistency. It's not, it's, it's about not just saying, Hey, gratitude's a great thing. You should have that. It's like having a gratitude practice. Journaling is a great tool for being able to process your emotions. So it's journaling every day, working on your body and going and getting massages or chiropractic work or some acupuncture, stretching. 
it's not like a great idea for some people. It's an essential element to what you do. And so for me, it is those kinds of things are on the calendar. Every morning before I look at my phone, before I go wake my, my girls up, before I do anything, it's a gratitude practice every single day. Whether I've had a really light night the night before, I've come in on a red eye, it doesn't matter. And it's that plus everything else. So it's diet, it's movement, it's exercise, it's all of these things. It's it's the way that I educate myself. It's the content. It's the podcast that I listen to. I'm not listening to true crime. I'm listening to you guys and listening to your amazing guests come on here. So it's about how do I consistently build these things in there that allow me to be the best that I can be for other people. And then part of that then is modeling that for the leaders that I work with. So when they go, oh yeah, I just haven't eaten lunch. I'm like, stop what you're doing right now and go get something to eat and then come back on the call and we'll finish. Like you can't skip lunch. You can't just say, well, I'll get to working out in a couple of days. No, 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 no. Go walk around the block and call me on your phone while we do our coaching session. So it's about consistency wins to me is how you do anything is how you do everything. So being consistent about how I fuel myself, how I take care of myself, and how I, you know, kind of honor the journey that I'm on as a business leader is how I consistently operate through my day. It's not rigid, it's flexible, but it is really consistent. I love it. I love it. And it's it's such a great point because I don't think people really see the connection between the even the little things like picking up after your garbage or just like the smallest little things that over time translate to how you do everything in business or how you're a parent. And so I, I appreciate you bringing awareness. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. This has been incredible. I'm excited to connect more offline as well and help support the mission. Once again, we appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate the two of you. Thank you so much for the great conversation and to all your listeners and keep up the great work. You guys are putting out some amazing content in the world and it's really needed. So just keep doing it. Thank you so much.